And now, weighing in, out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean a midweek edition of the Weighing In Podcast is now in session. We are together. It's so good to see you. Josh Thompson, John McCarthy, and we get to talk about MMA. What do you, I think I'm going to keep rolling here because I like talking and you not talking. This is a good, this is the way to do this. What's up, brother? Oh, man, it's so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> We're stacked, man. We're stacked this week. We've got a good cards coming up. You know, Bellator's got the champ champ status going on for the vacant middleweight title. Gegard Mousasi fighting Douglas Lima, who's coming up in weight, who's kind of wiped out the whole division of 170. I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. This fight makes me nervous for Douglas Lima only because he's so good. You know what? This is the thing. Look, you need sometimes promotions to look out after you. You and, think. And this is one of those fights where I'm like, man. I wish we wouldn't have him do this because Gegard's the guy that just never gets the publicity and the hype that he deserves, but he's probably one of the toughest guys out there who's fought the who's who of the sport. I mean, I'm talking Mark Hunt, knocked out Mark Hunt. He's fought all the, uh, he's fought Jacques Array, he's fought Machida, he's fought all these other guys, but he never gets the respect. You want to know why? Because he does, he's not a vocal guy. No. He's a, a Fedor Emelianenko, but in a smaller body and without the role. Okay, but <laughs> I was going to say, no. But, yeah, no, no, no uh, spare no, tire. Yes, got it. But I mean, no he, has that, he has that kind of personality when he's in the, in the cage or in a ring or wherever he's fought. You're fought in pride. He's fought all around the world. He's fought the, the heavyweights. He's the 205 champion from Strike Force. He was a number two, number, I think, no, sorry, number three, number four guy. Uh, in the UFC before he left and came to Bellator. He was on a 5-5 win streak when he, was, he left. When he left, Bell when he left Bellator from the UFC, he was on a 5-5 win streak, like you said. He became champion at middleweight in the UFC, or in Bellator. Yep. Yep. And then after, and he dismantled Cavallo. Yep. And he just took him down systematically, just walked right through him. Yep. Hot knife through butter. And I have said this from the beginning, I feel like that's his way to success against Douglas Lima. No different than what he did to Roy McDonald. And we've seen the fight between Roy McDonald and Douglas Lima, how close it was. Twice. Twice. It just, it, it, I, don't, I don't like it. I, I said, I had talked when we talked to Gegard this week, I said, uh, I go, what is it with these little guys thinking they could beat you? Like, I don't <laughs> know. And, and Douglas Lima's a big 170 pounder. Let's just let's say that. By the time they step in the cage, they will probably only be about four to five pounds difference yeah. in there when they step. Gegard's already said, he's like, I'm about, one, two, I'm about 205, you know, two, 204, 205. Two, yep. You know, and then he said, oh, he'll probably fight around 203. Douglas Lima said he's been training around 197, 198, somewhere in there. He'll probably come in 197, 198, around that. He's like, I don't want to put any more weight on that. I don't need yep. to. And that makes you, they're only going to be about four to five pounds difference when they get in the cage, John. You got to tell me, what is it? about Gegard Mousasi that people look at a guy who was 46 and 7 in his career, 46, 7 and 2. What is it they see that they, they look at him and go, oh, I can beat him. He's easy. This is going to be an easy fight. He has beaten everyone. If you take a look at his career, five-time world champion. We're talking about he was the deep champion. He was the dream middleweight and light heavyweight champion. He was the strike force light heavyweight champion. He won the Bellator middleweight title. In the UFC, people say whatever they want. As far as UFC fighters, people that fought in the UFC, 
I believe he had 19 or 20 wins, three losses. This guy has beaten everyone. He beat the ex-champion in Chris Weidman. Jacare knocked him out. Then he lost, uh, I believe he lost a decision to him. He lost to Uriah Hall when he was dominating Uriah Hall. Got hit with a shot. Can happen to anyone. Then came back and just destroyed Uriah because he's that guy that he's had so many fights. He doesn't get up for anything. It's just like this is another day at the office. And that's the one thing you got to worry about. We kind of saw that when he lost his title with Lovato Jr. He came out and he looked lackluster and Lovato was eating him up. And then he turned it around. And in the third round, he really came on. Fourth round really came on. And Lovato was able to pull out that fifth round and take the title from him. But what is it about welterweights that think that this is going to be the fight I want? Rory McDonald tried it. And now Douglas Lima is going to try it. And I think Douglas carries more power than Rory. I think that is a big equalizer here in this fight. But Gegard Mousasi is an assassin. This guy kills everybody. You don't get a record like he has and not think this guy is one of the best that has ever done it. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys um, that look at him and just I think because of the way he carries himself, he doesn't talk trash. No, he's not on social media talking all you know talking about how he's going to beat people up and how he's going to take their time. He doesn't do that. He just keeps to himself, goes out there and fights. Now, the one knock that I will give on him, and I've known for a long time, is that he's a fighter that rises to the occasion of the opponent. Fights to the level he of the opponent. Fights yeah. to the level of whoever it is he's fighting. And we saw we saw that back in the dream days when he basically was fighting guys at the heavyweight and the two hundred five, and like he was in, in in strike force as well. If he thought you were a threat, a real threat to him, you saw someone that came in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, like I'm going to prove that you don't belong here with me. But guys that you, the guys that you had seen, like oh man, he's going to walk right through this guy. He ends up struggling with. It's like a little bit of that. Like Alexander Slomenko. Yes. When he first came to Bellator. Take yeah. a look at that fight. But he did, you know, Alexander landed a shot in the very beginning of the round, broke his orbital. Yeah. And so he changed his entire game plan of what he was going to do. But I can tell you, in being in the cage with him, I never forget the fight he had. And I, I really loved Babalu. You know, Hanato Sobral was a good fighter yeah. and had a great ground game. Yeah. Okay. People don't give him credit for it. And... I was amazed at Gegard Mousasi in that fight because, Josh, if you had a heart rate monitor on him, his heart rate in that fight never got above 80 beats per minute. Yeah. He was just so relaxed and just, and just eating Babalu up. And I was like, how in the hell are you doing this and not even exerting any energy? It was like it was mystifying to me as I was watching because he was so relaxed, so calm, never broke a sweat. You know, he's that good when he wants to show you what he can do. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, yeah, he is. He really is that good. He just got to get that out of his head that like, hey, this is going to be an easy fight. He made it look easy against Roy McDonald because it was, you know, uh, Roy just, Roy just didn't have the power that made him threaten. He also he, didn't have the speed, which is unusual yeah. when you take a welterweight and he's going up in weight. You think that he's going to have the speed advantage against the middleweight. Wasn't even close. But with relaxation comes speed. That's what people don't realize. The, the more relaxed you are in a fight, which Gegard has no problem being, is relaxed. Is the more relaxed you are, the speed comes more naturally. You can tell when guys get amped up and worked up, they force everything. And the more you force it, the easier it is to see, and the speed's not there. And there's so many things that that go into being a fighter that people don't realize. 
that is one of them. You need to stay relaxed. Things come a little bit more fluidly through your body and the, the transition from your hip to your, to your uh, punch comes out fluidly and it's a little bit faster. The guys that load up and it, it's just more telegraphed and you see it coming. Look, the, the one thing though is I was trying to talk to Gegard uh, during the fighter meetings and I just said, like, why? What, what, what makes this fight motivational to you? And, and, and realistically, he's just like, well, Lima's a different animal than what Rory was. He's got, I got to respect his power. I got to respect his kicks, you know? And, uh, and he said like, you know, after I checked two or three of them, he's like, he won't, he won't, he won't kick me anymore. And that may be true. Maybe. That may be true. It but also might not he, be he true. could also be damaging, you know, depending if he gets it there fast enough. And uh, we've seen that calf kick has changed all sorts of people's stand-up games. You know, and so and Gagar's never really had an issue with being on the feet with a whole lot of with, with hardly anyone. And so it just comes down to the fact that can Lima get to his chin or his leg often enough to make him respect him to where Gagar has to fight a different type of fight. And let's just be real. It doesn't matter. He's going to try to take Lima down. Yeah. The, I wouldn't say the weaknesses Lima's grappling. It's just not It's not what his stand-up is. Yeah. And I think Lima's, Lima knows that. And Lima also knows that Gegard fights a smart fight. When he fought Cavallo, he said, why am I going to stand with you? And Cavallo is enormous. If Cavallo is what? 6'1"? 6'3". Yeah, 6'3". 6'3". Okay, I was 6'1", 6'2", somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Big, tall guy. Yeah. Gegard took him down, finished him in what? One round. Yeah, in the in the first round. I want to say it was, what, like three minutes in? Yeah. Something like that, two or three minutes in. Anyways, yeah. I, I see something like that happening here. We saw the same thing with Roy McDonald. Once he got into the ground, it's just a completely different level. And if you look at what Lovato Jr. had to say about Gegard's grappling, he said, that to me is everything. Lovato Jr. is probably the best grappler, MMA grappler on the face of the earth. I mean, I've got Damian Maia in there as well. Damian Maia is right there. But He's if, right you're, there if you're looking right now, you know, they went in a jiu-jitsu competition, Lovato Jr. Size gonna, has something to do with that. Well, of course it does. But Damian used to fight 185 too. Yes, that's true. So if they were in a jiu-jitsu competition today, Lovato Jr. wins that. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Sorry. But you take a look at what Gegard was able to do with Lovato. Yeah. And then what we talked, we talked to Rafael about it, and he said, man, that guy is so much better on the ground than I gave him credit for. Yep. I knew he was good. He's way better than I ever thought. And you're talking about a guy, you know, it's just so much in difference of levels. Douglas Lima is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. No doubt he knows what he's doing, and he's good down there. But there's that difference of black belt, and then competition level mm -hmm. guy, and then world class. Yep. And Lobato is world class. And when he's giving props to somebody in the way that he was giving to Gegard Mousasi about his ground game and the, and the difficulties he was giving Lobato in trying to get positions at time or to finish him, there was just never that ability. Yeah. It says a lot about what he's facing you know, if Lima gets to the ground with it. Yeah. So when talking with Lovato Jr., what he said about Gegard is that, look, he said, sure, I was able to get his back. Sure, I was able to get the mount. He's like, but I knew that if I tried to go for a transition to something else, he's like, he would have been gone. I was going to lose he's it. He's like, and I was not trying to lose that position with three minutes left in the first round or two minutes left in the second round as I'm getting a little bit more tired, as it's a little bit harder to hold position, as I'm getting a little sweatier. There's a lot of things that come into play yep. when we're talking about this. And so everyone... Gegard is that good, but like I said, the knock on him is he rises to the occasion of his opponent. He does. And Lima being as good as he is, a, a guy who has fought guys and knocked guys out of the heavyweight division, became 
205 uh, champion in Strike Force, was ranked in the 185 pound division, became 185 pound champion here in Bellator. I just don't think he looks at 70 pounders and goes, I'm not concerned. And that's what scares me a little bit because you know Lima took this fight for real. Oh, yeah. You know, he took, this is like, this is his legacy of like, hey, if I go up, I can't look like Rory did against him where he just got smashed. Well, Lima also said, I couldn't have had a better training camp. Yeah. You know, with everything going on in the world and the COVID and all that stuff, for a guy to say, I couldn't have had a better training camp. Mm -hmm. Everything went good. I'm healthy, feel strong, lifting weights. I was doing a lot to get a little bit stronger, in, you know, in my upper body, my legs. You know, he looks great. Take a look at him, man. He, he's, obviously, he's got a huge frame anyway, so carrying the extra 15 pounds – yeah, it's nothing to him. Well, Gegard said he also, on the flip side, excuse me, Gegard said that he had a harder time getting yeah. training partners. He had a harder time being able to train because they were kind of shut down a little bit more often than they are here in the States. Yeah. And so there's that being said. And the two of them together in that cage, I think stylistically it matches up very well. I just think that the experience of Gegard, of fighting the bigger guys and handling the bigger guys, because the speed factor won't be there as well like it wasn't with Rory. I don't think it's going to be a factor with, with uh, Lima. Um, I think Gayard maybe even maybe even be, he'll end up being the faster guy. It's going to be a good fight, but the ground definitely goes to Gayard. No doubt. There's no doubt. The wrestling, I think, goes to Gayard. No doubt. Defensive the wrestling. Lima's good. You know, this is one of, the, one of the things I always remember. Brian Stan talking about having to work out with Douglas Lima. And he, he was always talking about and I was so pissed off. I was a light heavyweight fighter, and then I was a middleweight fighter, and I was bigger than him, and I was stronger than him. And I could never get that son of a bitch to the ground every time that I tried to get him down. He says, I'd work my ass off, and he would, if I finally ever got him, he would hit the ground, boink, and right back to his feet. Yeah. He goes, it was, it was the most frustrating thing in the world. So you take a look. We do know, especially because Korshkov is a guy big, and he's got really good wrestling. He yeah. is a good take to And in his last fight against Lima, Lima has changed that level of his wrestling defense where it's, it's damn good now. He is a guy you've got to work hard to get down. Not saying that Gegard can't do it, but he's gonna, it's not going to come easy. All right, I mean, let's, let's talk predictions, man. I mean, for me, prediction is, is that I don't think Gegard gets out of I don't think Lima gets out of the second round. Well, you know, it's, a, it's one of those, it's a... It really depends on can Lima go out there and establish that low calf kick and can he make Gegard respect him with his power? If Gegard can walk through his power, like when he was fighting Rory, he started to just walk through. We saw what walking through power does when you watch Habib against Justin Gaethje. When a guy has no respect for you being able to hurt him, it makes your life you know, incredibly difficult yeah. because not that you can't, but he's not respecting it. So everything that you're doing seems to be you're running backwards. And he's pressing forward and he's going to put pressure on you. So it really does matter. Is he going to be able to make Gegard respect him? And I think that's a tough thing for a welterweight to do. I look at it and I think this is, this is Musaski's fight to win. And if Lima wins it, he's proving something incredible in my opinion. He's taken on one of the toughest fights style-wise and person-wise that he could ever face. You never said who's going to win. <laughs> I tried to sidestep the issue. <laughs> I don't think we should. When we call the fights, I'm just going to let it go. I know, 
I know. Look, the I mean, fans are going to win. That's I who wins it. in this one. Should be a good fight. Look, there's a lot of, and I'm not going to get too much into the whole card of Bellator. Okay, um, but I do. There are a couple under. Uh, I like the co-main. This, so the co-main is good. Talk to me. Oh come on, Brandon Gertz against Henry Corrales. One of my favorite fights that I ever did in MMA. People talk about, you know, what's your favorite fight? One of my favorite fights was Brandon Gertz against Derek Campos. Two guys that like to come to the center and just start winging shots. And I think that's what you are going to see with Henry Corrales against Brandon Gertz. I think they're going to go to the center of that cage and one's going to set his feet. The other's going to do the same. And they're going to start winging shots on each other, trying to get rid of each other. Brandon Gertz looks fantastic at 145. He was always a smaller, lightweight, you know, coming in somewhere, you know, 162 pounds or so. Uh, the night of the fight, and you can, if you look at him frame wise, I think you know Corrales is even a little bigger frame wise than uh, Brandon. But I think 145 is a perfect weight, and we know Henry Corrales. You know, I've, I used to do Henry's fights when he was in, uh, King of the Cage, and it's where I, you know, I first really recognized who he was as a fighter. And he had this man; he would just walk guys down and sling leather. That's what Brandon Gertz does. And I Brandon comes from a, a wrestling background. I, he will not wrestle in this. And if he does, he doesn't wrestle to get on top of you and to uh, try to ground and pound you. He wrestles you to pick you up, elevate you, slam you down, then go after big shots. And if he can finish you that way, if not, if you get up, he doesn't care. He's right back into his stand-up. So I think that's going to be fight of the night. Yeah, I'm looking for forward to the... Dalton Rasta fight and uh, Gorder fight. Ty Gorder, yeah. Ty Gorder. That fight should be a fun fight. This is a huge step up in competition for Dalton Rasta. Hercules. Yeah, he's built like a Greek god. Looks the part, fights the part. He does tend to slow down as the fight goes on. Ty Gorder does tend to keep the steady pace throughout the fight. Um, Ty is also there to get hit. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. uh, but Ty has no slouch on his back either. He's not bad. Yeah. So the two of them make for a great fight. The uh, Eblin fight as well. Dude. That should be a Taylor good fight. Taylor Johnson against Johnny Eblin, man. Both really good wrestlers. Both. I, I want to say Eblin is 6-0, and and I think uh, Taylor, 6-1, and one, won his, uh, his Bellator debut against Ed Roos. Mm-hmm. You know, locked in a beautiful heel hook on him. Uh, first round finish. He's got he's got a very good leg lock game that came from being down in San Diego with Dean Lister and Jocko Willink in them. So wrestling wise, I think Evelyn has a little bit of the advantage. I don't think it's really going to be there. It's going to be can Evelyn keep it on the feet yeah. and try to use the the stand up game that he's learning from ATT right now, working out with guys like and that's the difference in the Dalton Rasta fight. Dalton Rasta is now down at ATT. He's got a lot of guys that he can work out with. I think it's going to be a difference in his ability to maintain in the fight. But Eblin against Taylor Johnson is going to be an incredible fight. I, that's a toss-up. Yeah. There's a lot of good fights on this on the undercard. So if you guys get a chance, check it out on uh, the undercard. Also, too, the, we started, I think, an hour earlier for this event. Yeah. Yeah, we started an hour earlier. It's on CBS Sports. Go ahead and check out the Bellator fights. Um you They're guys, will, yeah, you, it'll be a it'll be a good card. Also, um, go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. Type in the promo code Wayne in, and they will double your guys' first initial deposit. So if you guys haven't done that yet, go there and do that. It'll go all the way up to a thousand dollars. If you deposit a hundred dollars, okay, they'll give you they'll give you another hundred, so you have two hundred dollars to spend. If you go all the way up to a thousand, if you deposit a thousand dollars, 
Okay, they'll give you another thousand dollars to spend. So you have two thousand dollars to spend on there. That so, does not mean that you can deposit a thousand, get a thousand, and think you're going to take it right out. It's not going to work that way. <laughs> you're going to have to bet. You know, so yeah, don't leave it in there for betting. Uh, like I said, but you got to use the promo code weighing in, and they'll go ahead and double your first initial deposit. So that's our uh, way of saying thank you for following us and watching our show. And uh, my bookie is also thanking you as well. So mybookie.ag, go there and do that. Um, all right, let's get into the UFC. What do you think? Man, this is it's a huge fight now. It's a the the consequences of this matchup for both guys. Santos coming off a very long layoff from injuries, his knees being bad, coming back and you look at this fight and I can go to a lot of different things. Gegard Mousasi being one of the guys. You know, go back to UFC 200 and watch Gegard Mousasi against Thiago Santos at 185 and Gegard wrecked him. Mm-hmm. ran through him, took him to the ground, and showed the difference in their ground games by moving in on him, getting to dominant position, and, and just you know using a ground and pound that finished the fight. Well, if you're Glover Teixeira and you're looking at a way for you to win this fight. Glover's good on the ground. He's really good. I can tell you Glover's pressure on the ground is incredible. When he's got, you know, Position on top, he is so hard to move. He's got super heavy hips, and his submission game is solid. He's got a really tight arm triangle. He goes to these things really well. He sets it up well. His route to winning this fight is that wrestling that he has acquired. He's got good takedowns, good wrestling, and his ground game. If he goes into this fight wanting to stand up with Thiago Santos and keep this on the feet... I see Thiago Santos winning the fight. If Glover takes it to the ground and he's just got to get himself out of the first round yeah. if it doesn't hit the ground, he's got to make it through that. And that's he, he's been getting hit with shots that are, are hurting him at times, but then he comes back. He did a great job against Anthony Smith. But Glover taking this fight to the ground is going to be the winner if that happens. If it doesn't, Thiago Santos is going to be the winner of the fight. Yeah, I look I look back at the Anthony Smith fight, and I think to myself, he's got to do very similar to what he did there. Just take less shots less, in the first. Yeah, in the less first damage round. in the first. Because Anthony Smith has a lot of – he's got decent power. He's got good kicks. He's got good, all these things, right? But Thiago Santos is a he's different – He's got the same thing and he's, more. He's got more power. That's exactly That's it. Thing. He's got good – I don't know how his movement will be because he is coming off the knee, the knee surgeries. But um, I think all the things that we saw in that Anthony Smith fight <clears> – <throat> should let you know that this should be a good fight, but Glover just needs to make sure that he keeps his defense a little bit more on point, you know, for that first round. Because we saw, like, and I think with Tiago Santos, he, he won't get as tired as Anthony Smith did. Yeah, Tiago, in my opinion, Tiago is a fast-twitch muscle fiber athlete. I thought he did really good with John Jones in, in his yes. ability to control himself in the fight. to her knees. Exactly. And I think, you know, maybe that had something to do with, you know, he didn't move as much as he normally does. Or tries to, yeah. but he's got man, he's got power. You know, you can go back and watch a couple of his fights. He had a fight against Steve Bosset, who was came from Canada, was a he was you know an enforcer in the hockey leagues there. And, you know, became very well known as the supreme enforcer there. And you know, Thiago Santos just starched Bosset, yeah. who has a good chin, who was a tough dude. He's got the ability to put anybody unconscious with one shot. When you got that power, you know, you, 
if you're Glover, you got to respect it. You got to be careful of it. Glover needs to look for the opening to drop levels, get into him, take him either into the cage or onto that mat. And then from that point, he's got that ability to end the fight at any moment based upon he's got the superior ground game. Yeah, he does. With the speed, the speed factor and the explosive factor is going to play a huge part of this. It's going to be hard for him to get that takedown in the first round. Yeah. Maybe even in the second. And if Santos comes in at all, like in, in such good shape as he did against John Jones, it's going to be a hard-fought fight for Glover to share. And yeah. I, I like, but I think this is one of those. This we go back. It's like almost like a throwback fight. You have a good stand-up guy with big power versus a good stand-up guy as well. Yeah, but somebody who's more superior in jiu-jitsu. At least the one thing that we saw, and I don't know why it didn't start off in the first round. But in the second round, Glover started using a lot more of that. He's got that rocking motion with yes. his head movement and everything. And it came back in the second round, which kind of slowed what Anthony was able to do. Yeah. Up a little bit, he needs to start out. You know, Don't keep your head in that center line and make sure that you're creating you know, a difficult target for Santos because he does have the power. He, man, if he lands one shot, it could be over quick. Yeah. All yeah. right, well. Um, I love you guys. Those energy. are the two fights. I love you guys' energy on that, but um, keep in mind that Anderson Silva fights Uriah Hall this weekend, and that fights oh, the following shit. week. So uh, I'm sure the That's UFC the next week, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure the UFC loves that you're promoting next week's fight as well. But nice um, call. But just want to remind you guys, we got a, we got a pretty stacked um, free card this weekend. Is it? Yep. What other fights are on there? So, okay, tell so, us what fights are with the the. Uh... Uriah Hall and Anderson. Anderson. Yep. So there's that one main event. Uh, Co-main is Andre Feely and Bryce Mitchell. Then we get Kevin Holland and uh, Mac Muradov, uh, Greg Hardy and Maurice Greeny, and then Bobby Green and Tiago Moises. Hold on. <laughs> we screwed up. Glover and Santos are a week away. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we have podcast days. Podcast days like, hey, you guys are forgetting Anderson Silva and Uriah Hall this week. You're right, we are. Jeez, man. God we... damn. When was the time that you would think that you would forget about Anderson Silva? That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. That's pretty um, tough. Yeah, it, it, it kind of is. It kind of is. I mean, we'll talk more about. And this Anderson is his last well, fight. I know. I think it's time. It is. Time. It's been time though. It, 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 do you think it's funny that they're bringing? A guy that when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, this was, and Dana said it back then, this was the next Anderson Silva in his mind. Hmm. Uriah Hall was the guy that he was looking at. 185, he was going to be the next Anderson Silva. What has happened with that? I think Uriah laid a couple eggs in the process. Had Why? Some, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Motivation, maybe uh, reading, the, reading his own headlines. Really? You know, things like that could happen. I don't know. You tell me, because you seem like you have a little insight. No, no, that maybe Josh Thompson doesn't have. I really, you know, I, I always <laughs> look and it's, and I always say it in a certain way that yeah, you know, I think God gives everybody something, and he he absolutely gave Uriah Hall that physical ability. He gave him speed. He gave him quickness. He gave him an athletic ability that that is just above the norm. And I think Uriah has then taken that and, you know, he's honed it mm -hmm. and, and created it, you know, and, and smoothed it out to make it even better with his, you know, the, the way he can throw kicks, how, you know, the combinations he does. I think up here, smart guy, 
but doesn't truly believe in himself the way other guys sometimes believe in themselves. And we talk about confidence all the time. And it's if I'm going to look at one thing that I think is the difference maker for Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, I love the guy. He is a super good person. He is a very intelligent man. He is a great athlete. He has got great technique and skills in MMA. But no one can make you believe except for you. You've got to believe in yourself. And I think that in some way, Uriah has never believed that he is a step ahead of the next guy. He's always worried about what could happen instead of making it happen. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's that confidence that I think that has, at times, it's come out. You know, when he fought Gegard Mousasi the first time, you know, and he was getting beat, but he landed that shot. In that moment, you can look and say, gain confidence. You just did that against one of the great fighters in MMA. But I think he looked at it and was like, oh, thank God. And instead of, I made that happen, it was like, oh, thank God I, I luckily land that. And, yeah. I, and I changed the course. And then allows that fight to take place again and then loses. And then there goes that confidence level again. And I really just look at it, if someone could create just the belief factor that Uriah could grab onto and say, yes, I am one of the best. I'm going to prove it to you tonight. I think he could be fantastic and just special because he's got that ability physically. He's just got to believe mentally that he's one of the best. Yeah, but that's what happens in combat sports in general is that we are different than other sports is that we don't have a team to piggyback on like if we're not having a good day. Like today, oh, I dropped True. the football. Oh, today I fumbled the ball. Oh, today I didn't catch it. Today I didn't dunk it. Whatever it is, right? I don't even know. I go, but team sports, you can be put out. Somebody else can carry the weight for a little bit. You can be put back in and maybe that'll help you a little bit. Who knows? Maybe you just need a little bit of a break. Whatever it is, but you have guys that can back you up. Okay, we're going to drift a little bit because you're getting burned on that far side, you know, today. So I'm going to give you the safety to help you out. Fighting, you don't have that. You have your corners, and they're outside the cage, by the way. They're not in helping you. <laughs> so there's the mental part of it is so important. Yeah. And it can go up and down within one round. It can go up and down within one minute yeah, well, of the fight. Absolutely. And so it really just comes down to whether you choose to believe in your abilities or not. And it's up to him. And there's nothing that you can say. There's nothing I'm going to say. There's nothing on this podcast we're going to say to Uriah Hall. He probably already hasn't been told by his coaches. And he will believe them probably a lot more than he'll believe us. But the problem is if he doesn't believe in himself, it doesn't matter. And that's what it comes down to. There was plenty of times and several times where I've said this a couple of times where I was being cornered by Javier Mendez and I was losing a fight and it just didn't, whatever he was saying just wasn't triggering me. It just, I couldn't get going. Bob came in, turned things around and, and that's what happened. You know, I ended up getting the win. Same thing had happened the other way. Sometimes Bob couldn't get through to me and Javier came in and it turned me around. And sometimes neither one of them could get through to me. <laughs> okay. And let me yeah. just tell you, you know, it's, and it's all your fault. It's all the fighter's fault at the end of the day, because it's you, it's you that's got to make that adjustment. In There's there. no doubt about that. Bob, you said, Bob told me like, uh, you know, there was a uh, Bob Cook. He told me a couple of times, like when you go, I don't think there's any, a whole lot of lightweights that can go with you. But there was also times where I just didn't go. I just yeah. didn't pull the trigger. And Uriah, I think, sometimes has that. Yeah. Like when you throw, when you get out there, you throw on a punch, boom, 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 and you're landing. Like you just got to do it more, more often. Because your best, your best defense is offense. 
because a lot of people can't can't keep up with what you're doing. And Uriah's that guy, like oh, you said. Absolutely. All the athleticism, all the abilities, all the intangibles, all those things. He's got them all. All he's got to do is just pull the trigger. And he pulls the trigger. That keeps people guessing. It keeps them on their stilts. Makes them feel like, you know, they're like Bambi on ice. They don't know which way to go. And uh, But that just comes with having the confidence to throw more and to do more in the cage. And if you don't have that, then you're, it's going to be hard. You're going to end up what people knocked Benson so much for doing was it just skating by with vic- with with decision victories and that's going to piss people off as well then you don't develop a fan base and i think with anderson it could catapult him into being like hey i used to look up to you you're kind yeah. of an idol i used to be compared to you even dana white compared me to you and it's, agree. A good, it's a good exit strategy for for anderson as well as it's a good motivational strategy for uh uh Uriah Hall there's a lot of good things that can come of that uh for the UFC by this matchmaking, um, I don't know. It, it, but it, but for me, I look at it though. Also, is that when when you have the president of the UFC or you have the, any promoter, you explode onto the scene and they start comparing you to one of the greats. It's a lot. To, it's a lot to live up to right away. It's a heavy package to shoulder. And the other thing too is it's so much to read. There's so much that you can buy into, and you so much you can just go, yeah, yeah, I'm Anderson Silva. No, no, you're not. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. And as much as we can all sit here and say we like Uriah Hall, the simple fact of the matter is, is if you want to be Anderson Silva, you got to beat Anderson Silva to be, start to, to replace him first. That's one. And two is go out there and prove it. Just go out there and prove it. You got all the tools. I mean, you got all the you tools. got the tools. No doubt you know? about it. Um, yeah, I think all he's got to do is just, just do what comes natural to him. Just pull the trigger. Be, have confidence in the fact that whatever you do, People will be like, oh, shit. Oh, I didn't expect that. Because that's that's really what it comes down to. Just letting your shit go. You've done it a thousand times in the gym. Now do it in the cage. Yeah. Do it. So I agree. It's the one thing that I've always looked at. I think he's got he's got all the intangibles it takes to be that guy that can beat anybody. He's just got to believe in himself. But, John, we've seen this before with other with other top guys. Vitor Belfort. Everyone talking about how great he was That's actually gym. who I compare yeah. Uriah Hall with, because if you look, you know, I, I say God gives everybody, you know, Randy Couture, I look at, Randy ended up fighting Vitor, you know, the, three times. And the one time he lost in the, you know, it was weird a cut thing, due to a, a glove. But you look at that and, you know, if you, Vitor had Randy beat physically everywhere. Just yeah. stronger, faster, everything. Randy had him beat mentally. Yeah. Going into the fight, Vitor was at a deficit and he had never been hit. He had never been touched. He had never hit the ground. He was at a deficit because he believed that Randy was a guy that he couldn't really beat. And it was in his head, I thought. And it was just a matter of that when no, when confidence is not there, there's nothing that's going to really happen that's going to be good for you. You've got to believe. And when you watch someone that is strong mentally, they cannot be as good physically, but they'll be in bad situations and they will be in, in predicaments that you go, oh, this could end the fight. And they work themselves out of it. And that, even though they're the ones that have accepted the damage, they're the ones that have been in trouble, they're the ones that are growing stronger while the person who did all that damage and put all that trouble on them is now starting to falter based upon, holy Christ, that didn't stop him. He's still coming. And so, you know, that mental strength, if once you attain it, you, you elevate yourself to another level. 
And that's what I would love to see Uriah Hall have because if he got that, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys that physically match up with him. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have guys that they he can fight after this with a win. But, I mean, beating up – how old is Anderson? 42? Yeah. Yeah, beating a 42, yeah, 41, 42-year-old Anderson Silva. 45, I mean, actually. I think 45. Sorry, Holy 45. Holy crap, man. I didn't know Anderson was older than me. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, you got to figure – I think he was 31 when he first got into the UFC fighting Chris Lieben. He was 31 oh, years wow. old. So that was back, you know. 2006. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Right at 2005, 2006. Yeah, yeah. around there. Yeah. Six, yeah. yeah. I was there at that fight when he fought Lehman. I was there. Yeah. Right so was I. Yeah, Chael. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, Chael fought uh, Trevor Pringley, I think, on that same card. Yeah. Anyways, look, that, that's going to be a good fight. I'm excited. And you have the old guard kind of fighting the new guard, seeing if, if he can get the confidence to beat him. I, I, I honestly think Uriah walks through him. I think a couple of touches on the chin. I think once he figures out Anderson's speed's not what it used to be, I think that we know his chin's not what it used to be. Once he gains confidence, yeah, and so he just got he's got to go out there and pull the trigger. And yeah. I think I think it'd be a short night for Anderson to be honest. You think Uriah yeah. ends him? Yeah, I think Uriah finishes him as long as he pulls the trigger. If we see a hesitant Uriah, Uriah Hall, then we, we I see a three round. You know, maybe giving it well, to it's Anderson. A, it's going to be a five round five fight. round fight. You're right. Five yeah, round fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna still give it to Uriah. I don't think Anderson gets outside the third round. I think Uriah touches him and he's able to get him away. I think the speed's going to be such a factor. Anderson used to be the fastest guy. Yep. You know, he's not the fastest guy anymore. Nope. I think Uriah's he's getting hit a lot. Yeah, he's getting hit a lot more. And we've seen that he can't, his chin can't take those shots anymore. And it's just natural. That's what yeah. happens. 45 years old. Jeez, man. <laughs> no thanks. Um, just think of three years from now, you're still fighting. Oh, it's no ugly. Thanks, man. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. All right, guys. So Bryce uh, Mitchell. Yes. Fighting Andre Feely. Good fight. Oh, what do you Bryce think? Bryce is tough. Dude, he's so good on the ground. Bryce is tough. He is so good on the ground. Feely's good. Feely is good. I like I like, I like Andre Feely, man. Come, Feely's coming fun. from Team Alpha Male, man, he's gotten better and better. What do you think? You know, I'm a local guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a local yeah, Bay Area guy. Yeah, look at you. I knew you were going to go gonna, California. I'm going to play a little homer and go with the – I'm, 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 I'm going fan. country boy. Uh, I like Bryce Mitchell, though. I like him. I like watching him fight. I just haven't seen quite enough yet to say that he's going to get past Feely. Yeah. And the other thing, too, with Feely is, like, I feel like he's gotten a lot better in his last two fights. Yeah. Fight. He's just gotten a lot better. He's fighting – more smart. Fight IQ. Yeah. I was just about to say smart, fight IQ, smart. right? And to me, like that's the most important part. No one ever doubted how good he was, like in terms of like, you know, his technique. He's got good technique. He does good stuff, but he just didn't fight smart. You know, and now he's fighting smart and he's doing good things. And 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 I think I also think that with all the drama that finally faded away from Alpha Male, he's still there doing his Why thing. did the drama fade away? I don't know. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. But I think, I think there was a lot of drama surrounding there was. That, that time and that era with, you know, with all the other stuff that was going on. Look, these are good now, I think, with Alpha Male. They've got their niche of guys that are there. They're all happy. They're all working hard. They're all back to the grind. They're all getting better. Yep. And uh, it's going to take – There's every. I think every gym has a rebuilding phase. Shout out to Danny, <laughs> Castillo, yep. Chris. You guys have been doing a fantastic job yes, with your have. fighters there. So. Danny's a stud, man. Oh, dude. I see Danny in all the... Uh, He's a the great Bell coach. Ads. He's a good coach. He's a really good coach, man. Yeah. He says smart things to his fighters. You listen to him. Chris Holmes, 
Great job of giving a little inside. Hey, I need you to do this on the takedown. Yeah. Take your hands, switch them over. Little things you go, there you go, man. That's it makes it. And people don't, I think when you get to the level of where they're at, it's just the little tweaks that make a huge difference. Yeah. You know, that fighters need to hear. They don't need to hear, get up. No shit, <laughs> motherfucker. No shit. I don't know, that's great coaching right when there. When I hear coaches yell, get up, I'm like, <laughs> I just shake my head. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I'm so thankful you're not. You're never in my corner. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, Bob has yelled at me like, hey, it's time for you to start working to get back to your feet. I'm like, okay, okay. Because there are times you'll find yourself just hanging out down there going, okay, I got four yeah. minutes left. Okay, I got plenty of time. And then, like, next thing you know, it's like 30 nice. seconds. Like, shit, I sat on my back the whole fucking round. Anyways, um, that should be a good fight. That should be a really good fight. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards Feely only because I'm, I'm a – I'm a Bay Area. You're a Cali guy. homer. A little bit of a homer. That's all right. I a little bit it. of a homer. It's okay. But I mean, I also think I like his gains that he's made in his last couple. Of I fights. agree with you. And he's so, looked really good. Bryce Mitchell, I think, sure has the advantage. I think on the ground, but I feel he's got also got a lot better at stopping the takedowns. Yes, he has. You know, and so and then he's also fighting smarter at range and in, at range and using his speed and his range. To, and his lateral movement yes, has gotten not so back, much better. Not backing straight up makes a yeah. big difference when you're fighting someone who's good on the ground. So I'm going to lean towards Feely. Uh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way, but I'm going to lean towards Feely. It's a, it's a toss-up fight, if yeah. you ask me. So look, guys, um, you guys, we've already talked about it, is go to mybookie.ag, mybookie.com. Go there and use the promo code Wayne in. Okay? Use the promo code Wayne in. They will double your first initial deposit, $100 in. Gives you another $100, so you have $200 to spend. $1,000 in, give you another $1,000. Hold it. We put in $500 each. Where are you sitting at? Oh, I think I'm at like I, I did another bet. I think I'm at six hundred now. Oh, you're at six hundred. Yeah, I'm at six hundred. I'm at eight forty. I'm gonna have to look and see. I, I haven't I haven't bet since our last show. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try, I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna actually do some betting on uh, this upcoming show as well. So look, go there. We have plenty of cards for you guys to bet on all the MMA stuff. They can also bet on the uh, on the election. Oh, you have, bet on everything. Have fun with that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, look. Let's get into a little bit of Twitter Twitter drama. Let's get into the goat talk. I heard John Jones has a lot to say about Khabib not being the goat. Boy, uh, he's been he's been active on that. Yeah, hasn't he's he? been pretty active on it. I'd like to get into all the details of what he said, but let's just be honest. I I have said, and this is the one time. Look, you guys all know I'm a homer, a homer for Khabib, but look, you guys can interchange GSP and and Khabib all you want, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to knock GSP at all. If you guys want to put GSP as the goat, okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I'm not going to knock it. I lean towards Khabib because I am a homer in that area. But when it comes down to the rest of the guys that are on that list and people want to include it, and look, and I'm going to even go a step further before I even bring up all the, uh, the, the negative shit about other people. I want to talk about the positive stuff. The positive stuff is I think Henry Cejudo has a case to be in that conversation. Not to say a case. He's got a really he's got good a, case. Yeah. He's got, and here's the thing. There's talk right now that he is talking with Dana White about fighting Volkanovski at 145. If he fights Volkanovski and wins that title, that automatically puts him as the GOAT. Over Khabib, over GSP, three titles. And a gold medal. And a gold medal. The I don't even know what is it, the quad C? I don't even know how to say it. It would be insane. And look, I hope he gets that fight. I think, I think he's got a good chance against Volkanovski to, to beat him. It's a really, really tough fight for him. You're going to have to see a really smart fight IQ out of him, which is what we saw against uh, Marlon Moraes. I, when I get into this whole conversation about the two of them, right now it's only it's only GSP and Khabib at the top. And let me give you my, my point on it. That's true. With Henry Cejudo, 
they're like, oh, DJ deserves to be in that. No, Henry beat him during his prime. DJ never went up in weight. DJ had a lot of title defenses. I give him credit. Automatically also, makes it to where Henry Cejudo has got it over DJ. It, so. Yeah, it automatically makes it where Henry gets it over okay. DJ. I love DJ. I, I I think he was in that in that pound for pound for the top forever. I thought he was there. I thought he was the guy. But I also look at the, the level of competition. I look at the level of competition. The 125 pound class was not always the toughest. DJ also, when he did fight at 135, had lost there as well and yep. didn't have success. And then he never went back up to even challenge himself, which I thought he should have. There was multiple times where he was fighting the same guys two and three times. He should have went up to at least challenge himself. He could have went back down. It's not like you were making a ton of money off of pay-per-view buys anyways, so it wouldn't have tarnished you anymore. You already knew you were not they, you weren't, they weren't going to have you headline shows anyways, so let's go ahead and just give it a try. Challenge yourself. I wanted to see DJ do that. He didn't do that. Henry did that, and that's why I put Henry above DJ. That's the only reason why. It's a good reason. Okay? I think Henry has the opportunity to go ahead and do it if he fights at 145. Like when he beat DJ, sure, he beat the, I think at the time was the pound for pound guy. At the time was the pound for pound greatest. Okay. Time, right? So he beats DJ. He be, he does, that does not catapult him into being the pound for pound guy anymore, or uh, Henry. Yeah. But then when he goes up to 35 and wins a great fight there, and then he defended it as well, right? Against, well, hold on. Uh, he first had DJ come down and challenge him at 125, DJ being the Bantamweight champion. Yes. I'm sorry. T did I say DJ? You TJ. Said, yeah, TJ. 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 Dillashaw. So he beats TJ Dillashaw. Yep. Okay. Um, mind you, he beats TJ Dillashaw while TJ is on. You're talking uh, about Demetrius EPO. Johnson. I say DJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> TJ comes down and fights Henry Cejudo. To challenge for the 125 pound title, he defends the title, beats uh, TJ Dillashaw there, then goes, goes up, goes up to 135, beats Marlon Moraes there for the title. He defended the title against one time, right? Yeah, 135. Yeah, who did he fight? Dominic uh, Cruz. Dominic Cruz. Who right. beat? Who, who beat, beat DJ? There you go at who 135. So look, there, there's all that. There's all that conversation in that piece there. I put Henry number three. I put GSP because GSP was the two two division champion. At one uh, at one seventy, and as well as at one eighty five. This is my logic behind that all: is that and him coming, him winning the one hundred eighty five pound title after what three years off? Yep, three years off. He's just a class act on his own. I don't even want to get into what happens outside the cage because then that just totally just verifies what I'm saying. But let's just talk about in the cage, okay? GSP. Uh, yeah. I, I want to see him in the Khabib fight. It will never happen. I, the conversation with everybody else already with amongst the AKA camp and the Khabib camp, as well as the GSP camp is like, let us both just ride off into the sunset. And I, and I like this, like this is very make believe by the way. So whatever I say, I don't want you to think like, this is definitely not in stone and uh, people should, uh, should take it for what, take it for what you want. More like GSP, in butter. Yeah. <laughs> GSP is to me, you, like I said, is very interchangeable. Uh, everyone's like, yeah, but he lost to Matt Sarah. Yeah, but he also came back and he beat Matt <laughs> he Sarah. He also beat Matt Sarah. The next fight. It was the next fight, correct? Uh, it wasn't his next fight, but I think it was Matt Sarah's, uh, uh, just a repeat, because Matt got hurt. Yeah, so then so I think Sarah, I mean, GSP fought somebody GSP else GSP fought Hughes, I think. Okay, right. Matt Hughes. Okay, so the bottom line is he came back, got his title back. Beat, you said he beat Matt Hughes in between. I'm yep. sorry, I was trying to remember who that was. But then you turn around, he beat another legend in Matt Hughes just to get back to Matt Sarah. Makes sense. That fight happens. Uh, he wins. All the fights that GSP has lost, he has. I did his two losses. Yeah. And he he lost to Matt Hughes, who he then beat yep. twice. Yep. 
And then he lost to uh, Sarah at UFC 69 and then beat him at UFC 83. And beat him the next time they faced each other. And beat him convincingly. Yes, he beat him very convincingly. So, look, that's why I put GSP at the top, though. Then comes back and wins the 185-pound title against Michael Bisping, who at the time had beaten guys like uh, Dan Henderson, who's a legend. He'd also beaten Luke Rockhold, who's a teammate of mine. And so I put GSP at the number – I put him at the number two, and I put Khabib at the number one spot. Being undefeated, period. Okay, and in the toughest division in the whole sport. And his last three fights beating guys who everyone thought is just two or three of the best to ever do it. And then he's beaten Dustin Poirier. He's beaten Conor McGregor. He's beaten uh, Justin Gaethje. But not only did he beat them, he submitted all three of them. And he did it all with it before the fifth round. Finished all of them. Nope. Had a great a dominating performance. You could say he gave away the round uh, against Conor McGregor. And he's in the toughest division. Now, everyone wants to talk about, you know, oh, he fought Alec Quinto, his last-minute replacement. Like, he took that fight against someone who he'd never trained well, for. Well, he took that fight first. He was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson. Yes. And then when Tony Ferguson tears up his knee, stepping on some cables, now it's going to be Max Holloway. And yes. Max Holloway was the opponent coming in, and then Max can't make weight. Even though he's the 145-pound champion, he couldn't make weight at 155. They, they rule him out, and then they bring in Ally Quinta. Having your opponent change like that in a championship scenario is not good. Yeah. It's bad mentally. It doesn't allow you to get ready for someone. And, you know, Ally Quinta, if you remember, he was on that fight card weighing in. He weighed in for his opponent and then came back, and, and they you know showed that he could make championship weight because – you have to be right on the on the nuts or below at 155. So that is a as as last minute as you can get, especially for a championship fight. You never hear that. Well, you have to remember that that was when he won the title, and so there's a lot of things going through your mind the very first time you ever fight for the title. It's against someone that you didn't prepare for at all. Two different, uh, three different opponent changes, but the third one you end up fighting. Actually, there was four. There was talk of Pettis being the, uh, another guy for him to fight. And then Pettis wanted more money and they didn't want to pay more money. Because okay. I think Pettis was on that same card against somebody else. Yeah, I think you're right. Pettis was on and that same card against, Max, against somebody else. And then it was Max Holloway. So there was a bunch of different opponents within a, within a five-day span or six-day span yep. that he was supposed to fight. So I actually tip my hat more to him because having to deal with that all week and have such a dominating performance in that Aliquinta fight and everyone's saying that he had a hard time in that fight. He didn't have a hard time. It was a good opportunity for him to work his stand-up. And also, too, to shoot on a, a, a shorter guy is a lot harder. Now, now we can get into the other talk. The other talk is John Jones and Anderson Silva. Okay. I'm sorry. They're not even in the conversation at all. Like, at all. You forfeit your conversation once you decide to be a PED cheat. And everyone says, oh, well, John... Well, John uh, was relinquished, or not relinquished, but vindicated from his cheating. Or I was like, no, no, he, no was, he not. was not. He was not. And I'm sitting here with the man who had a lot to, that was involved in a lot of the conversations of the commissions, USADA, and all the other people that were around, that will tell you, when you get tested for picograms, that means at some point you cheated for quite a while. And now it's coming out in your sweat glands when you make weight every single time. So that means that, look, all the fights that he had won, when John was on, on Twitter this week saying, I've defended the title 14 15. times. 15 times. 
Yeah. Well, how many of those were before USADA came and you got, you didn't get popped. So when you won the title, were you juicing? And that's that here's the thing. And here's the thing. Even if he wasn't, you've already tested positive, which means that it's tainted just like your piss. It's tainted. Okay. Like whatever it is, you lost that credibility and that's what sucks. And, and, and I had wrote, I, he had wrote a comment about it being a joke and this and that about could we be in the, the goat? Fine. Put GSP there. GSP can be there too. Okay. But the thing is, is that the bottom line is, is you, you gave that up when you cheated. And the sad part is you didn't need to cheat because you were gifted as an athlete. Okay. You didn't need to cheat. And you gave up that right to being considered the goat during that time. And no, AKA guys do not hate you. They hate the fact that you squandered it all away in doing that when you didn't need to. And then like, and I said this, I was telling other people this, I said, John, someone's got to sit here and tell you the truth, buddy. You got too many yes men around you. You fucked it up. That's it. Like I, I, I like you as a fighter. I love watching you fight. I, I fucking, I admire everything you, you do. I do. I'm like, man, when you were doing shit in your earlier career, the spinning back elbows, you, 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 you helped recreate how fighters fight in this sport. It's just sad that you fucked it up. And that's it. And as a, as a, as a person that I'm a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of watching you fight. I'm not a huge fan of what you've done, but I'm a huge fan of watching you fight. I can be both. People need to understand that as I can be both. Okay. I don't need to pick one side or the other. I support you as a fighter. I just don't support the, the actions that you've done to ruin your legacy. So that's why I put there's Khabib and GSP can be interchangeable. And both of them that I think the mutual respect between the two, they don't give a shit. Either one of them care. They're like, they both like each other a lot. They know each other personally. They train with each other personally. Uh, they both have common friends with Frankie Edgar, uh, Ali, and a bunch of other people as well. So I think when we're having this conversation, Anderson also is in that same category of that he's been, he's tested hot a couple times. And how many times had he won titles or defended his title um, cheating until you saw it came along? And so that's the only issue that I have. I, do I think, I feel the same way about Anderson Silva is that I feel about John Jones. You ruined it. You just ruined it. All the great things you did in the sport, you ruined. Okay. By, by, by cheating. GSP, I, get, I give it GSP and Khabib or Khabib and GSP. And Henry is right there. No reason why I don't put Henry higher. It's because the 125-pound division is was kind of a weaker division. And sure, he beat DJ, but the rest of the division, there wasn't a whole lot of people there. I give Henry the the tip. If he goes to 45 and wins, you can't deny him. You can't deny him. He's be, he'd be the GOAT. There's no doubt. You can't deny it, John. I, I, as much as – no. Well, I, I, talk to me, Goose. Well, you sit there and you <laughs> say you can't deny it. And you can't deny that he won more titles – than anybody else as far as in different weight classes. He'd be the first guy yeah. to have three different titles in three different weight classes. So that is impressive. But is that more impressive than a guy that has never lost a fight? Well, it's weird you say that because I always thought that what Kyle Dake did in wrestling mm -hmm. by being a national champ in four different weight classes mm -hmm. was better than what Chaos Sanderson did in the same way, in the same division. Because you got to remember in college, you're fighting the same guys. Yeah. You're wrestling the same guys for four years, Over basically. So they're getting an sure, idea a about you, guys. Too. Yeah, you're getting, but you understand how to beat them. And then they also, too, confidence is key in a combative sport like that. Once you beat them one or two times, you tech them, or once you pin them, or they start to, their confidence starts to, oh, man, if I fight that guy, he's going to do the same shit to me. You're fighting, you're kind of wrestling the same guys. 
with Kyle Dake, they, he always had to raise his bar. And those guys are like, man, I'm going to smash this young guy. I'm going to smash this small guy. I'm gonna, this guy's coming up. He ain't going to beat me. So I look at what Henry's doing is like a, a lot more it's, – it's a lot harder to do, I think. But I'm, DC disagrees with me when I talk to Daniel Cormier about this as well. He's like, no, no, what Kale did. So, yeah, because you had to wrestle Kale. Well, and that's why. You're, I was going to say, I know a guy that wrestled Kale multiple yeah. times and lost to him. You're going to lean that way because you want Kale to be the, the GOAT because you lost him in the national uh, championships. And I look at – you know, it, it, you can look at it either way. But when you talk about GOAT status – I talk. I look at it as who was the most dominant fighter, not how many titles you won, hmm. not how many uh, you know divisions you were in. Who was the guy that every time he stepped inside that cage, even though many people now question, oh, could this be the individual that turns this thing around on him? Every time, dominated. Every fighter they basically put in front of them. Who's the guy that had that type of string against quality opponents time and time again? And that's where I come back and go, man, Khabib, when you look at what he has done in the entirety of his career, I couldn't think of any rounds that he ever lost. And I, I know that the judges in his Justin Gaethje fight, two of the judges gave the first round to Gaethje. And I'm just going to tell you, they were fucking wrong. There's no way that Justin Gaethje won that first round. Tell and me I, how you really feel, John. I'm just fucking being honest, okay? This is a matter of you have got to look at what is effective in the round. And when you have Justin Gaethje, who in the beginning of the round, he was doing well and he was landing his kick and he landed the kick a couple of times actually – took the balance out away from Khabib, he you know, caught his balance, and he did that for the first two minutes. And then Khabib started to disrespect the power and started to walk through it, and you saw Justin having – and Justin ate a lot of good shots. Yeah. You know, there was the, – the left hand of Khabib was landing successfully, and then the right hand was landing, and then the takedown. And is someone forgetting that he was actually setting him up at the end of that round in a submission hold you know, be it if you want to call it the biceps life or the broader plot or whatever you want to call, it was getting put on. It's just time runs out. Okay, what's who was the guy that actually had the chance of finishing the fight in that round? There was only one guy. Yeah. So it's it's simple. Khabib wins that round. So he didn't lose that round. He lost one round, I would say, and it was a close round against Connor. But it's it's a round that you can see that he took off. But I can't think of any other fight where I can say he lost that round. Yeah. That's pretty amazing because I can watch George St. Pierre fight and I know of fights that he lost. Okay. You know, Sarah, you know, knocked him silly in that fight that he had, you know, Hughes armbarred him and he tapped, you know, to get out of the uh, submission with, without it really even being put on hard. It wasn't he was fully, beat it here. Was, it was a full He was beat here. He wasn't beat here. Yeah. So I look at that and, you know, I love George Taylor. I think he's phenomenal. But I can also go and look at a lot of rounds that he lost. He yeah. lost rounds against Carlos Conant. He definitely lost rounds against Johnny Hendricks. He lost rounds against a lot of guys. But he's a dominant fighter. But he didn't dominate every fighter that he competed against. John Jones 
He's incredible. And I, I will never say anything bad about John when it comes to his fighting. He is absolutely remarkable. But he's done things that you look and you go, you've tainted yourself. You did it. Nobody else did it. Yeah. And I can look at fights and say, Alexander Gustafson won rounds from you, no doubt about it. Thiago Santos won rounds from you. And there's people out there that actually believe he won the fight. I thought Gus won the first fight. I thought, obviously, Gus lost the second one. But I had Gus winning. But I could see it going both ways yeah. in the first fight. But, you know, you get to Dominic Reyes, man. Look, I, I will tell you, that's the one fight. I didn't think that Gus won the first one, and I didn't think that Santos won. I thought John won. But the Dominic Reyes fight, I had Dominic Reyes winning the first three mm. rounds. John definitely won the fourth and the fifth, but I don't, you know, people go, oh, that's the championship rounds. No, it's a round. Yeah. Okay. It's no different than the first round or the fifth round. You need to win at least three of those or dominate. So you get 10 eights or start to change it. And I can look at that and say, John is an amazing fighter. And I do not consider that he has a loss. You know, he lost based upon a disqualification. It's on his record. I don't consider it really because you know, the whole thing, if you're going to do anything, it should have been a no contest. But he didn't. He hasn't dominated every fighter. And since USADA, since he has been caught, there has been an, a, a level change of people have caught him and now he's having more trouble in some of those fights. That didn't happen with Khabib at any time. And that's where I look and say, man, the most dominant guy I've ever seen fighting in MMA, every time he stepped into the cage, was Nurmagomedov. He's, he is the guy that has dominated every fighter that he's ever competed against. And you look at exactly what you said. His last three fights, since he got the title, he fights Conor McGregor. Why did they put him against Conor? They want that fight. Who do they want to be champion? Khabib? Not at that time. Not at that time. Conor. And, you know, he, he you know, takes Conor out fourth round. Dustin Poirier. I love Dustin as a fighter. Takes him out in the third round. Justin Gaethje takes him out in the second round. Submitted the very best lightweights that they could put against him. He's getting better. Yeah, he's the best. I, I, that's that's kind of where I was at as well. And I look at it like as much as I like GSP, I have to be slightly ahead because I did take into consideration the utter dominance that he had overall everyone that's it i mean and i want to and i'm okay if someone disagrees with me yeah that's okay i, that I don't i don't mind you can like who you want i'm not doing this based upon who i like i did a lot more george st pierre fights i did a lot more uh you know john jones fights i'm just being honest in the way i look at it but if you look at it a different way that's okay but you cannot deny 29 and 0 never defeated never had a guy that really even put him in trouble. Yeah. Who put him in trouble? Nobody. Yeah, no one. No one. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I guess Poirier with the with the guillotine choke. That, that was good. That was close. That was tight. That was tight. It was close. I mean, I don't think it was. He says it wasn't close, but he said it was tight. Yeah. He said, but he said it wasn't close. Um, I mean, I, I guess for him though too, when you when you get a guillotine on him like that, he's like, I don't care if I fall to my back because he's pretty good at getting up off his back. Right. You know what I mean? He's not. Believe it or not, even though he's a good wrestler. He's good off of his back. He's good off of the ground, like him being on bottom as well. So I don't – when people say, like, oh, he almost got slept. He almost got swept. He, only, he put himself to like his back against Casey to put the triangle on. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing too as well as in that first round. At the end of the first round, he went for that, that triangle, and he missed it. So he went to the the calf, the arm. The bicep slider brought the up a lot of yeah. He couldn't get in. Time ran out, and, and we went on. Shoulder thing. Um, 
yeah, just the domination of it all. With John Jones, I think as far as <coughs> he has he has changed a little bit since you saw him being around. Um, the fights have gotten a lot closer. And I think some of that has to do with just confidence as well. Like confidence in if, if he's the same guy himself. You know, I think for guys that have have uh have been on steroids for a while, you see their you see them mentally not be the same person. You know, um, Boss Root does something to them. Boss Root has got to be. He says anybody that needs to do that is mentally weak up here. He said that from the very beginning. You know, I love <clears> Boss, and he, he comes up with sometimes he goes, "I'm just telling you, John. Anybody that needs to put that in their body, they're mentally weak up there." Yeah. He says, and so I, I have an advantage over them already. Yeah. You know, and it, let me ask you this: you know, John had the whole thing with Izzy, you know, because they've gone back and forth over Twitter. Uh-huh. He admitted to hiding underneath the cage to avoid a test and, and i can't say that you know maybe it was you know marijuana but you know they don't test for marijuana if it's not fight night basically okay okay the, the window for usada or any athletic commission to test for marijuana is the 24-hour window around the fight 12 hours before, 12 hours after. That's your 24-hour window that they will test for marijuana and you can only have so many nanograms yeah. in your system that you they consider legal. Depends on where it's at. Everyone's got a little bit different more. But, you know, off-site, you know, but, you know, three weeks before the fight, eight weeks before the fight, you're getting tested. You could have the highest level of THC in your system they've ever seen. Nothing. Nothing will be done. You can have it. Fighters, you hear that? You guys hear that? There you go. <laughs> um, Start sparking it up. No, I wanted to say, you guys, if you guys haven't watched our last show, our last show, um, we did the full breakdown for the Khabib and Gaethje fight as well as the Kennedy and Whitaker fight. Um, I want to thank you guys. You guys had a lot of positive comments in the comment section about about the show, which is which is kind of nice. You had positive you. comments because he say cares. Thank you. <laughs> I want to say thank you. <laughs> Uh, good stuff, and uh, I'm glad you guys tuned in. You know, you guys turned out, and uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this show. Was there anything else? No, man. Just thanks for watching. Talk to your friends. Have them subscribe. We're getting higher and higher with it. Give us thumbs up. Tell people about the podcast because we love talking to you and bringing some of our insights into the game to you. Also, tune in tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow night? Yep, tomorrow night. Tune in tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. My days are all messed up here. Yeah. So tune in tomorrow night on CBS Sports. You guys watch the Bell Tour show. Dolan Gegard Musasi. Also, the prelims will be fire. I'm telling you guys right now, there's a lot of good prelim fights. Really good. The level of competition is getting higher in Bellator. We just signed a ton of new um, killers. killers that are some Got champions. rid of a lot of people. We got rid of a lot of people today. Uh, they brought the hatchet down on some people today. It's all in the new mindset. New mindset of what's going on at Bellator. Better be a killer. Hopefully you guys enjoy uh, a lot of the new talent that's got signed. A lot of good Russian fighters. A lot of good Dagestani fighters. A lot of good um, European fighters as well got brought into the mix. A couple of Brazilian fighters got brought into the mix. And um, we just hope that we're going to continue to grow the promotion itself. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Tune into the prelims. Okay, and as well as uh, you think you watch prelims on on YouTube. You watch YouTube Bellator YouTube, YouTube page. YouTube Bellator prelims, and I think they're also on CBSSports.com. Or mm-hmm. They're on there as well. But go to the YouTube and watch it there for the uh, Bellator YouTube. Check out the prelims there, and then come to the the CBS Sports. 
for the main card. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, hit the thumbs up on YouTube. That shares our videos to everybody. And uh, take our video clips as well and share those around. Post them on Twitter and uh, tag us in them. We'd love to re uh, retweet them for you guys. Okay? We thank you guys. Have a good one. Later. Later.